0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 20th, 2015. And, um, I actually wasn't planning on doing any type of thing on Christmas this year as I've done so many studies and times past on the subject. But, you know, I keep learning more uh, about this particular pagan holiday and, um... As I learn more, I, I feel compelled to share more. And this is some information today. In part, I've covered. In part, some of it I've never covered. And uh, it's just more compelling. Every time I look at this subject, it's more overwhelming. It's more in your face. It's more, It's more. It's just overwhelming, the amount of information that exists just on the pagan evil origins of Christmas. So I'm going to go into some information today. A lot lot of it I haven't covered and um, this is also something I I always get a lot of questions about every year um, almost consistently. What I'm attempting to do also in today's study is compile a lot of the previous studies I've done on this particular holiday, Holy Day, I don't really even like to say the word Christmas because of what it actually means, um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But I've also covered that in times past, um, and um, it's just it's it's just so overwhelming <laughs> the information I have just to cover today. So the first report is entitled "Historians Show Link Between Christmas and Ancient Pagan Roman Games." Um. So this starts out by saying, once again, we find sun worship at the very center of of Roman life, you know, ancient Roman life. Did you know that there's an association between chariot racing and the celebration of December 25th? The birthday of Sol Invictus was celebrated with an additional six chariot races, 30 races on December 25th, I'm assuming, in Rome. The most important, where they also killed Christians in mass. Um, the most important pagan birthday on the entire Roman calendar, as documented by a Christian. So Sol Invictus is just one of the many names for the sun god. It comes in many, many different names. Um, and regarding that, I've inserted a lot of information here. We're going to come back to this main report, but we're going to go far off course here. And, and talk a little bit more about that subject specifically regarding the sun god. So this is from a uh, January-February 2007 edition of uh, the Battle Cry. And it's, and it's entitled, You Probably Know This Woman. Uh, it says, to the Ate- Aztecs she was known as Coatlicue. In the form of Coatlicue, she was a virgin goddess who became pregnant. Sound familiar? Well, there's a lot of satanic knockoffs that exist out there that try to say, oh, Jesus is nothing more than, you know, some continuation of, of all of these various pagan deities that predated him. And that's the whole principle upon which that movie, that movement about the zeitgeist was formed, which I've done several teachings on that, just can zeitgeist at contendingfortruth.com where we just go and systematically dismantle all of that. So this goes further and says that she she bore a son known as Witso Potli, the chief god of the Aztecs reincarnated as a baby. She was the goddess of the moon of the morning and evening star known as Venus. People spoke different languages, called her by their names. Some of them called her Akate, Hekate, Astarte, Aphrodite, Venus, Isis, Semiramis, who was actually the original pagan fertility goddess. She was the one that spawned all of them, essentially, after the flood. Um, Tammuz, Semiramis, and Nimrod, Okay, the pagan trinity, essentially. All, she's also known as Ishtar, which is the fertility goddess which is where we derive the word Easter from. And that's a whole other subject I've covered on many occasions, just again, Easter or Ishtar, at the keyword search box at cananyfortruth.com. She's also known as the Roman Catholic Virgin Mary goddess. Her son had many names as well. Some of them are Horus, Harpocrates, Mithras, Sol Invictus, Hercules, Attis, In Tammuz. And that's just some of the names. What did these God babies have in common? And I mean God with a small g. Well, for one, they were all supposedly born on December 25th. They were all worshipped as the sun god, among other titles. So what, and again, we're going to see this, but what the Catholic Church has done is taken the birth of the sun god Originally, the original granddaddy of them all, going is back, you know, as far back as where this started. You go back to Tammuz, okay, ancient Babylonian mystery religions. All of the cults and, and evil majority cults that have spawned in the on planet Earth come from there. The Babylonian mystery religions. Summary: Miss Tammuz and Nimrod. Okay, so Tammuz was their reincarnated sun god essentially. So the Catholic Church took the birth date of the reincarnated sun god that occurs every year on December 25th and they replaced it with the birth of the son of God S-O-N Jesus Christ. That is how they've amalgamated this pagan tradition into the Catholic Church and now it permeates through all Christianity. And i really got ahead of myself saying that because we're going to cover that in depth. We're going to look at that as well. But all of these other uh, gods, including Tammuz, were worshipped as what they would call solar deities or sun gods. Uh, in different ages, in different cultures, in different races, they all had their flavor. Okay? Their different flavor of sun gods and infertility gods, goddesses, and gods, and the whole nine yards. Um, December 25th is where we derive the pagan celebration of Christmas from, which was originally known by the Romans as Saturnalia. December 21st through 22nd, known as the Winter Solstice or Yule, was also closely connected with this date as well. And we're going to see it actually was just repackaged by Catholic Church. Uh, This is also one of the Illuminati's High Nights of Human Sacrifices. Um, That whole little time period in there actually is. We're going to look at that as well. Uh, Yule was described in this statement, when the sun begins its northward trek in the sky and the days begin to grow longer again, pagans celebrated the winter solstice by burning the Yule log. Now what they would do, if you really want to know what burning the Yule log is, is they would take a human sacrifice and they would hollow out a log and they would stuff the human sacrifice into the log, feet first I would imagine, or head first, I don't know, where they were alive, and then they would burn the, that human sacrifice alive. That was the burning of the Yule Log. Just like where we derive the term bonfire, is actually means bone fire, where the pagans particularly, um, and you look at the, the Burning Man r- ritual of ha- Halloween, or Samhain, October 31st, where they would erect these gigantic um, wicker, wicker man, is what they were called. And there's all kind of pagan, even horse shows about this. And they would put humans in them and other sacrifices, other animal, And, and then they would burn the wicker men and, and alive. And, and um, these are also known as bonfires, which is where we get the term bonfire from. Because they're burning the bones of, of human and animal sacrifices. So this is where we get the good old Yule log um and um yule essentially being associated with with christmas but also more more so with the winter solstice uh december 21st 22nd in that range okay so going further here since the sun had reversed itself and now was rising in the sky because see after the winter solstice the sun the days start to grow longer okay the sun reversed itself and now this, and now was rising in the sky. Pagans believed that the sign that the human sacrifices carried out at Samhain, or Halloween, had been accepted by the gods. See, Satan had these pagans so brainwashed and duped to believe that he was the reason that the days were growing longer. So then they, that would ultimately bring them back into spring and they would be able to have crops and they'd be able to live. They attributed all of this to Satan, essentially, or these various gods that they worshipped that, okay, or if they had a bad harvest, oh, he hadn't accepted the, the sacrifice or whatever. Not that he's, he would have ever had the power to, to make the days, you know, like not grow longer because, you know, that's up to Father God. That's up to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they're the ones that that frame the universe, that, that make everything happen, that make the sun burn. And, and They're the ones responsible for that, not Satan. But he, ha, he has had his pagan followers throughout the ages convinced and conned into thinking that, no, no, he's the one that controls all of that. And, and so much so that they would perform human sacrifices in order to ensure that process kept happening. When it would have happened anyway, that, that always just offends me. That, that, I mean, all of this is offensive information, but it's like so offensive to think that, you know, the devil had all of these pagans thinking that, you know, and and does to this day that he's the one that controls it. He's the one that would <laughs> give them the seasons and the harvests and things of this nature. Then it goes further and it says, yet many call themselves Christians, many that call themselves Christians continue to sing, deck the halls with balls of holly, and we're going to look at holly in a second, not in a second, but in a little bit, and then it goes on to say, troll the ancient yuletide carol. See the blazing yule before us. The yule, the, the blazing yule log, fa la 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 the blazing Yule log in, in, in its true representation would be a human writhing, screaming in agony as it burns in its bone fire at the winter solstice, a night of high human sacrifice. Yet they've amalgamated that into this song for Xmas in a celebratory. Mode. See the blazing yule before us. Follow la 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 I mean, it's this big, big, gigantic celebration of in its truest form a human being sacrificed in absolute abject agony. Isn't this wonderful? I mean, just great stuff. The Roman Catholic Church later changed the date of the celebration of yule to december 25th calling it christmas christmas december 25th is also known as the nativity of the sun the date is the birth date of tammuz the sun the reincarnation of the sun god nimrod the Christ- christmas tree is the sacred tree of the winter stag god druids believe the spirit of their gods resided in the tree most ancient pagans knew the tree represented Nimrod, reincarnated into Tammuz. Pagans also looked upon the tree as a phallic symbol. December 25th is also known to the Romans as Saturnalia, a time of deliberate debauchery. Drinking through repeated toasting, known as wassail was a key to the debauchery of the celebration. I have also read that it was like a time where anything goes. You could have sex with children, whatever you wanted to do. It basically could happen on December 25th, that time era. Fornication was the symbol, symbolized by the mistletoe. And the entire event was finished with a great feast, otherwise known as the Christmas dinner. Even the name Christ Mass is pagan. Christi meant Christ, while Mass meant Mass. Since all pagan masses are commemorating death, the name Christ Mass literally means death of Christ. So if you say Merry Christmas, it's Merry Death of Christ. Thus the, ancient, the Antichrist is in view here. The pagans celebrate um, Christmas as a celebration of their coming Antichrist, who they believe will deal a death blow to Jesus Christ of the Bible and Christianity. So that's why a pagan would celebrate Christ Mass in, in anticipation of their coming Antichrist who they believe will, will deal a death blow to Jesus Christ when actually the exact opposite is what's coming. Now if we actually look at it on a pagan holiday standpoint, on a pagan holiday calendar we see December 22nd uh, Winter Solstice, Sabbat Festival what is the type of of pagan celebration like okay what is the illuminati doing on december 22nd and again i present this stuff for us to to pray about it regarding the the human sacrifices that are upcoming regarding december 22nd 24th um 25th this type of thing uh What type of, of celebration? Okay, well, as far as the type, they would have orgies on Yule, on the winter solstice. Um, I, I, to, to keep it as, as clean as I can keep it, it would be um, all types of sex with sodomy would be the type of orgy that they would have. This is from a pagan calendar I'm going off of. Uh, and who would be the participants any age male or female human or animal so this is the type of debauchery we're talking about that would go on in witchcraft ceremonies illuminati ceremonies the dark arts whatever you want to call it all across the planet this is how a big way that they gain more power they're not just doing this to go through the motions yes they're doing it in a celebratory mode and they're doing it from a pagan mode, but they're also doing it many times to acquire more power. In human sacrifice, is one of the things that um, is one of the main ways that, that they obtain. They believe they obtain more power. Then you have what is known as December twenty fourth, what from a pagan standpoint they call demon revels. Um, Okay, so I was just trying to get the meaning of one of the words they had here um, for listed for this. For December 24th, De- Demon Rebels. The type of um, pagan celebration is called Demur. Uh, it's a grand high climax. I don't know exactly what all of these mean, but the participants are... Um, Any age, male or female, human or animal. And then on Christmas Eve, December 21st, um, it's a blood ritual and you actually receive body parts as Christmas gifts. See, if we really want to boil down everything and we want to really take away all the lies, okay, this is the purest essence of Xmas that we have. This is where it all started, because it was a pagan celebration from its very inception. What were they exchanging? And we're talking about from a purely high-level witchcraft standpoint. What was the exchanging that was taking place, like we exchange gifts on Xmas? Well, if you really want to do it right, you receive body parts as christmas gifts and what is the preferred body part an infant male so i i hate to burst anybody's bubble but um and i'm not obviously telling anyone to do this but this is how the people that really know how to celebrate christmas have done it for eons and eons They've hacked up an innocent baby, male, infant, and they've exchanged his body parts. This is the true meaning of gift-giving at Xmas. So, you know, let that sink in a little bit. I don't know if I've ever actually covered that as I should. But yeah. Yeah This is straight from a, 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 a high level type pagan calendar. I've seen dev- different variations of this, but this is you yeah, this is what they do. Now if we go to this particular website, it's sacredtext.com. It's not a Christian website, but it actually says when Ezekiel detailed, meaning Ezekiel in the Bible, detailed the various idolatrous practice of the Israelites, which included the worship of the sun, and every form of creeping thing and abominable beasts, a, uh, an abominable abominable beast, a suggestion, which is a suggestion of the composite monsters monsters of Babylonia. He was brought to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was towards the north. And behold, there sat woman weeping for Tammuz. Now we're going to get into those verses in a second here, but, um. Here we're talking about Tammuz again. Because this word actually occurs here in the Bible. They were in the Lord's house. And God was taking Ezekiel through the Lord's house and showing Ezekiel all of the different abominations that were occurring. This was, I believe, the second one. And he said, and he was going progressively as they got further into the house of the Lord I believe that that these abominations were occurring and this was the second one and he, this is the, this was worse than the one he just showed them a minute ago I believe of 70 elders and this was the one of the women weeping for Tammuz the sun god the weeping now this is from this sacred text site it says the weeping ceremony was connected with the agricultural rites. Corn deities were weeping deities. They shed fertilizing tears. So I guess the tears were representative of, of this corn deity. Fertilizing tears. And the sowers simulated the sorrow of the divine mourners when they cast the seed in the soil to, quote, die, so that it might spring forth up as corn in spring. So fertility deities are, are um, you've got, you, you, you can think of, okay, human procreation or animal procreation, but you also have the fertility of the soil as well. So just to give you a little bit more, more info on, on that whole particular, why they were actually weeping for Temuz. And, and also, they were weeping also because Temuz had died and um killed by a wild boar which is where we get the term easter ham because after 40 days of mourning and lent for tammuz then you're commanded to eat the easter ishtar ham as a revenge against the wild boar that killed tammuz i'm not making this up this is how these are just a little bit of the Can kian lent in the keyword search box at containingfortruth.com, I did I've done whole studies on, on this Lent, the Lentian season, with Mardi Gras, and Easter Ham, and Ishtar, and all of these things. They're totally 100% pagan in their origin. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, it's it's nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. Now, let's go further. Let's go back to Ezekiel. And I'm, I'm, for time's sake, I'm skipping the first abomination you saw because I really wanted to key in on Tammuz and what happens after this in the house of God. There are times in the Bible, Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, where God's people, in this case, the Israelites, have gotten so bad, so deluded, That they believe that sacrificing their sons to like Moloch and Shimosh and to other devil god deities is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. And literally carrying out pagan ceremonies in the house of God is the right thing to do. Because they just, they're so holy and they're so good and they're so righteous. And they believe they've been led in that direction. And it gets so bad in Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14 that God essentially says, don't even pray for these people anymore because I won't hear your prayer. They have, There's been some line that they've crossed with God where they have been turned over to a reprobate mind. They have had their conscience seared with a hot iron. They have committed this sin unto death, like the Bible talks about in 1 John 5, I believe. Where And those are all biblical terms in the New Testament, okay, that I've gotten into many times in the past. That it's like, it's so bad that God's like, okay, I'm done, your judgment's sealed, don't pray about these people, don't pray for them, because I will not hear your prayer. God actually does say that in the Bible in certain places. Now, I'm not saying that we go around and, and as judge and jury say, well, I'm not... I know, you know, well, I'm not 100%. I mean, in that case, God told Jeremiah, don't pray for them. God had actually said, now, now, I'm not saying God couldn't convict you of this or communicate this to you in some way, but it, does get, it can get that bad. And they were doing these incredibly bad abominations in the name of God. And this is a great example of this. Ezekiel 8, 13. And he said unto me, meaning God said unto Ezekiel, Turn ye that again, yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate and to the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz, which is what we just talked about. Going further, then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about twenty-five men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east. So they were facing east. And they worshipped the sun toward the east. Which is exactly what they do with an Easter or Ishtar Christian sunrise service, isn't it? Exactly the same thing. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And, and lo, they put the branch to their nose. I'm going to talk about that in a second. So it says, they commit the abominations which they commit here. Isn't, I mean, I'm sure on, on, on a lot of satanic levels, behind closed doors, at night, in churches all across America, because, as I've said before, the number one job, kind of like for a lot of pagans dream jobs is to be a pastor because it's the perfect cover they're not suspected and yet they can do more damage for the forces of darkness for satan their master they can do more damage in that position than just about any other place so right now the ranks of pastors all across this country and in the world It would really be interesting to know, and only God could reveal this, how many pagan, satanic plants are behind the pulpit. Leading large churches, and and, and almost, I would almost say universally, at the top of these big televangelist guys, and the ones that have the real big churches, like Rick Warren, and Joel Osteen, and these types, Benny Hinn. These people aren't just deceived and deluded. They are literal Satanists. And I've documented this over and over on, all, on a lot of the evidence that really heavily points to that. Um, that Toronto blessing unmasked, if, if you look that up on YouTube, you'll see my copies of my only tapes that I sent to a listener in Europe that he actually put up online. It was like, <laughs> You couldn't find it anymore and uh it's 20 hours of footage on just the charismatics and this it's, it's dated and it's copies of copies so it's not the greatest quality but you can see a lot of things up there that'll blow your mind and you know what i showed that to about eight or nine people that came out of the charismatic church i was at after i came out god showed me the first thing he showed me was about the king james bible When I got a hold of that, that the King James Bible was the word of God, it's like all of a sudden I got my eyes open to all the other stuff that was going on there that I was just like blind to before. That's why I'm so big on the Bible version issue. What Bible version are you reading? Are you reading one that's from a corrupt Catholic manuscript? Like basically all the Bible versions are, other than the King James? Yes, there's a few exceptions, but they're still corrupted. Um... When I got my eyes open about that, it's like all of a sudden he started showing me all the other stuff. And, and another thing that was presented to me about the same time range was this Toronto Blessing Unmasked, how these guys are literal Luciferians. They're literal Satanists. Copeland and Hagee and, um, well, not, well, Hagee's terrible too. Anyway, I've done whole studies on him. Just keying his last name. Um, but, I mean, it's it's staggering. It's really, really sobering when you start to realize this now in this day and age the representation for i guess and i don't want to give a parallel because there was really only one you know temple of god in jerusalem okay but the modern day church would be a place where would a modern day christian should be able to go and fellowship and, and worship the Lord and these types of things. And you wonder how many of these Satanists are actually behind the pulpit in these places and how many Luciferians and how many witches and warlocks have infiltrated these churches. And I've seen interviews of ex-witches and warlocks and that's what they were. They all said the same thing. Yes, we were assigned. We were in a coven. We were, we were in a coven of 13 other witches and we all had our assignments and all all of us were assigned to different churches. And, and particularly, we were assigned to the churches that... Um, the ones that were winning the most souls or doing the most good work for Christ, they would find them out and they would send people in there and the women would try to seduce the pastors and seduce other men there and, and and cause division. And and the guys would do, you know, try to break the church and split the church and and get in there, maybe become pastors or, or maybe become an elder or deacon and do as much damage that way. As subtly as they could though, because they didn't want to like go in there with a black coat cloak on and a you know, a thamy knife with dro- blood dripping off it. They didn't go in there like that. They went in like they were one of them, usually, you know. Um, so this is going on all over all over the world. And when I, when I read this verse, and, it's, and it says here in Ezekiel 8, 17, he says, Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here in his house, in the house of God, essentially? For they have filled the land with violence. So in other words, when this stuff was going on in the house of God and they had defiled the house of God, which is what they were doing here, they were defiling it, what, it, what was the byproduct of the, of the earth around them, of the land around them? It filled the land with violence. See, it had spiritual implications for the land around them. Isn't that interesting? Because they weren't doing anything per se violent in any of these descriptions, the women were weeping for Tammuz. The other guys were having their own little Ishtar sunrise service. Okay. Um, but the byproduct, the fruit of that was that the land was filled with violence. And, and aren't we seeing that more and more all the time now? The land is being filled with violence. I mean, you look at what ISIS is doing in, in, in Islam and the Muslims. And then you have the, 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 the gangs and you have all of the drug use and, and, and so many of the shows are, are um, the TV shows promote that as well, violence. And we're going to have more and more of that as the church continues to deteriorate and become compromised. And again, when, when you're yoked up with the government, and the government's giving you your literal right to exist as a 501c3 corporation, having to adhere to all the IRS guidelines, basically getting your right to exist through the IRS. There's no Bible for any of that. Well, then you have a church that's already compromised to a gigantic, huge degree. They're, not, they're using false Bible versions. And so the church has essentially effectively been gelded and is asleep, for the most part. And they are committing abominations in the church by doing this. So we should expect to see the land filled with violence, according to this verse. It should be a byproduct, and we are seeing that. And then it says, And they have returned to provoke me to anger, and lo, they put the branch to their nose. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what that means, actually. Well, I'm going to finish this and then I'm going to go back and we're going to look at this last part. It says, therefore will I also deal in fury. So see, this is the result of what is going to happen in this environment. Are we any better? I'm not really talking about my listeners so much. I'm talking about the people that identify themselves as Christians in America and in other countries. And I'm not going to say all other countries, but I know America and Canada and a lot of these, you know, Europe Beyond lukewarm. You couldn't even get saved if you tried. Totally beyond politically correct. They won't offend anybody. They're not going to make any fuss about all the the millions of aborted babies. The 100,000 plus babies that are aborted every day worldwide. 100,000 every day plus aborted worldwide. Not just, we always talk about the American statistics of 4,000. Yeah, what about the other 96,000 plus who knows what the actual and real number is, every day. All that innocent blood crying out from the land. God's judgment has to happen at some point. And because the lukewarm 501c3 church, and I'm just going to talk about America in this instance, or let's say lukewarm 501c3 church of elsewhere as well, Canada or Europe, or these other places, and I'm, I'm sure it's not 501c3 there, but They're yoked up with the government, most likely, in some way, shape, or form. Because all of this has happened, we should expect to see judgment. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, meaning go to hell, who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They didn't receive the love of the truth. At all. They had no love for the truth. And the Bible says that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, regarding specifically the end times that we are in and moving into. This is very, very scary, sobering stuff when you really start to think about it, regarding the church in particular. So if we go to some commentaries regarding these last. Uh, a couple passages here about this I found a couple commentaries by pastors and this is entitled The Worship of the Son by the Priest Here is the climax of the abominations witnessed by Ezekiel in the vision The head of the 24 courses of the sacred priesthood led by the high priest making up 25 men mentioned here and when it says um, and this is where the the verse I just read uh, at the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshiped the sun toward the east. They were not only worshiping the sun but they were doing so in the very temple of God. Man, talk about no fear of God. Whoa. You know, the fact that God didn't just strike them all dead. (laughs) Yeah. No fear of God whatsoever. In the temple of the seat of divine majesty, in the temple, the seat of divine majesty was at the west, perhaps appointed for this very purpose, to guard against the idolatrous adoration of the rising sun. I mean, I'm sorry, I've just I've never had a big temptation to worship the sun, but I guess. But you know what it is, though? If you really think about it, it's not... Where where does that temptation come from? It would come from a devil or a demon or a fallen angel that would be steering that person to sun worship or possibly possessing that person, giving him this unbelievable desire. And the devil went so far as to say, you know what? I really want to be worshipped and and you're worshipping me and that's all well and good but I want you to go to the temple of God in Jerusalem and I want you to do it there because that's where I need my adoration to come from. It's the same reason that the Antichrist is going to go into the temple, the rebuilt temple okay, in Jerusalem. That's coming. And he is going to commit the abomination of desolation. Where he goes into the Holy of Holies and basically proclaims himself to be God. That's coming. Jesus Christ predicted it in Matthew 24 and elsewhere. So that's coming. That's going to happen. Satan is always, I think, the pinnacle of what Satan wants to do to try to, you know, I don't know, anger God as much as he can is to be worshiped as God in the temple what were they basically doing here well they were having their own ishtar basically sunrise worshiping the sun god i don't even know whatever deity they might have been referring to him as probably it would have been nimrod because nimrod was basically tammuz was basically the reincarnation of nimrod in essence in a way his son but really disgusting how all that transpired i'm not going to get into that but supposedly transpired But Nimrod was probably, there's a good chance that's who who they may have been praying to with their backs toward what was known as the seat of the divine majesty in the West, in the temple, praying to probably Nimrod, the sun god. Whoa, I mean, I can't imagine anything you could try to do more to provoke God than this. So let's go back here. Um, (laughs) Therefore, the idolatrous priests must, in worshiping the false sun god, turn their backs upon the true God of the universe in his own temple. So it's, it's pretty scary, but... You know, you go back to Ezekiel 8:18 8, it says therefore will I also deal in fury mine eye shall not my eye shall not spare neither will I have pity and though the cry of mine ears with a, and though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice yet will I not hear them I believe this is the future for the lukewarm church worldwide They are going to deal with god's fury he says his his eye will not spare neither will he have pity i mean i was caught up in all this garbage i wasn't even raised a christian went to lutheran middle school catholic high school never really heard about salvation in either of them not that i can recall lived like a heathen. My mom was into yoga. My parents were both party animals. I was a party animal. Went to college. Then, after I got saved, though, I got immediately off into, you know, charismania. I had to, but you know what? In the end, God had me let me figure this stuff out or start to figure it out. Enough where I could come out from among them and be separate. And again, that's what really kind of was the reason this ministry all started. I wanted to help other people because I knew what I had come out of. But I look around and it's like you got a church on every corner here in America, basically. All these different denominations. None of that's biblical. There's, there's no Bible for denominations, this schism that exists that is just the norm. 501c3 corporate entities all reading their false Bible versions, bringing in all kinds of worldly programs, doing nothing to really push back against evil, or very little. So many of them so deluded, so deceived, and content to stay that way, seemingly. This is what it seems like is the future, For the lukewarm church. Therefore will I deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears. With a loud voice. Yet I will not hear them. I'm not saying that. Because I think I'm perfect. By any stretch of the imagination. I'm just looking at this. And observing this. And kind of trying to put all the puzzle pieces together, and this is the way it seems to me. And again, this is the big reason I have this ministry, so people will wake up to these things and will come out. And and, um, Because I really do also believe that when it says he will not hear them, a lot of the people in these churches right now, he's not hearing their prayers. Because of what they're yoked up with, because of what they're engaging in and participating in. Then it goes on in uh, another commentary about this, where it says they put the branch to the nose. They put the branch to the nose. And and again, I'll read a little bit more of that verse. They commit abominations which they commit here, for they have filled the land with violence, and they have returned to provoke me to anger. And again, they were literally in there. It's like they were trying to provoke God in the very temple of God. I mean, you have to be literally demon-possessed. I mean, these are people that that knew what God could do, you know. They knew what God could do if they had a Bible. You know, they had seen God's, um, either seen it with their own eyes or or had been relayed to it if if they would, I I guess you would call them Torah-believing Israelites of that time period. They knew what God could do, but yet they were in there trying to provoke God to anger. And then it says, and lo, they put the branch to their nose. A commentary reads, Assyrian reliefs pictures identified this practice or this gesture of putting the branch to the nose as an act of reverence in worship. Sun worshipers held the branches or bundles of twigs from certain trees to their nose or mouth. I, I didn't know this actually. That they might not contaminate the sun with their breath. So, in other words, Satan will always require you to do like things that God never even told you to do. You know? And this is a great example of that. They they held branches of bundles of twigs from certain trees in their nose or mouth that they might not contaminate the sun with their breath. I mean, how ridiculous is that. From this it appears that fallen Israelites have adopted sun worship with all of its variations and embellishments. So this is another sign they were worshiping the sun. The women were in their weeping for Tammuz, the basically the reincarnation of the sun god. He's reincarnated every year on December 25th. Nimrod, the flat-out sun god, they were probably praying to when their backs were to the west and their faces were to the east i mean just some really crazy stuff they were doing now back to the main report that i started out with over 200 years after the name the time of christ in supposedly christian rome and there's no mention of the birth of christ on that day now i don't see how you could call it quick christian rome Okay, I wasn't Christian, Never. I don't think it ever has been, but this commentator said that. There's no mention of the birth of Christ on that day, though. 200 years. The early church there, they didn't celebrate the birth of Christ at all. They knew better. You know, they just knew better. Christ never commanded any of this. But it's no coincidence they weren't celebrating his birthday our forefathers knew that christmas was had nothing to do with jesus it was illegal in england it was outlawed in new england from 1649 to 1648 it was condemned for its pagan roots by the puritans the methodists the quakers the amish the presbyterians and the baptists ones that actually finally got the memo not all of them but some it was made a legal holiday in massachusetts in 1856 These are easily confirmed facts that theologians are well aware of but choose to totally ignore. This is another thing that's taught in the cemeteries or the seminaries. This is another reason that God will bring judgment down on the lukewarm church. Because they celebrate all these pagan holidays in the churches and Christianize them. It's kind of like they're trying to provoke God in his own house. Just like these pagan israelites were doing weeping for tammuz and worshiping the sun the lukewarm churches are kind of doing the same thing aren't they i mean hands off of christmas don't mess with christmas when my parents were alive and and i had adopted this stance man You talk about causing trouble. Caused a lot of trouble with my parents. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it anymore. It will cause people to hate your guts. Because it's like, oh, you sanctimonious, quote, Christian. How dare you? I'm just telling you, I still get a lot of email about this to this day. People struggling with this. And hey, listen, I know I've been there. I did it. You know, us moving up here to North Carolina, that was another blessing because I didn't have to deal with that anymore. I had been resisting it for a number of years. Ishtar and, and Christmas and whatever. And, you know. But I had already been doing that, though i had already been i think pretty steadfast regarding that and then my both my parents passed away within a year but i know i know it's not easy i know it's not easy but you have to understand this is this is satan's tactic to get you compromised i mean how are we going to participate in this and then ask to get our prayers answered Or ask for God's blessings and things of this nature. This is something that could greatly hinder God's blessing in your life. This is definitely a weak link in the chain. You know, I'm just saying. And again, was December 25th the birth date of Jesus? No, it was not. And our forefathers knew that as well. I did a whole teaching on this. And I give you those links later. Um, So how is it possible that this pagan festival has become one of the major components of traditional Christianity? This is a great point. There is one very good answer for that question. Time is the ally of deceit. How did this happen? Surely the church would have never sanctioned something pagan to be amalgamated into its traditions because the church has our best interests at heart cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord Jeremiah 17 5 but it feels so good we're all together even my my unsaved family members and we're all we, we can all have a time where you know, we set aside our differences and this and that. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. But I don't feel during that time of year there's anything wrong with, with, with um, Christmas and all of its traditions. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. These are all Bible verses. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. That's what the Bible says. So this is all about a heart issue. And it's hard because if you go back to when, if you were, let's say you were even a Christian and you grew up in a household that celebrated Christmas and oh, Christ is the reason for the season and we go out and we can reach people during this time of year that we can't reach at other times. That's their justification, one of the many. So time is the ally of deceit. time has been what has led this amalgamation time in the heart and devils and demons many 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 of them because they are the ones that have went out to deceive and to oppress and and to get into the pastors into the people of leadership of churches to say oh this is okay we can do this this is no big deal it's demons and devils deceiving and deluding people about this. This of all things, they've deceived and deluded about like no other subject that I know of. That, with that, tries to portray itself with a Christian veneer. tries to come off like, oh well, actually, you know, it's really a Christian thing. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. How could it be bad? It's an absolute pagan admixture melding and mixing of of all types of paganism with some pseudo-veneer of Christianity. You want to stay away from it. I'm just saying. Um, <clears throat> so that's all I can get into this part. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we will go to part two next.